Before I begin this sermon, I want to tell you a story about a little boy I once knew. His name was Lynn. The reading from today's gospel, the part about the barren fig tree, brought Lynn to mind. When Lynn started to elementary school, the school to which he went had a very robust children's music department. They had several choruses and so forth, <clears throat> and the music teacher invited Lynn to join the chorus for his grade level. And he said, no ma'am, I, I, I can't sing. I just can't sing. And she said, oh, I'm sure you can. Your voice just needs a little cultivation. He said, ma'am, I don't think all the fertilizer in the world is going to improve my voice. <laughs> just shows you how our language sometimes takes us down different roads with the same words. 35 years ago, Rabbi Harold Kushner's book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, was a bestseller. In the book, the rabbi addresses the question that has haunted humanity since its origins. The question having to do with the correlation between sin and suffering, the question between righteousness and rewards. Rabbi Kushner says it all has to do with luck. There is good luck and there is bad luck, neither of which is dependent upon a person's goodness or badness. There's a kind of randomness to life. Rabbi Jesus dealt with the question in an entirely different way when some people came to him with serious questions about some Galileans whom Pilate's soldiers murdered while they were trying to offer their sacrifices at the temple and some Jerusalemites who were minding their own business when there was an earthquake and the tower of Siloam fell on them. Why did they deserve such a fate? There were such good people. And Jesus wasn't easy on them. <clears throat> he didn't take Rabbi Kushner's approach. He just said, do you think those Galileans or those Jerusalemites were any better or worse than the others? I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In today's climate, Jesus wouldn't win any awards in the pastoral care department. Didn't have a very good bedside manner either. Today we want explanations. We want answers that make sense to us and that reassure us that we're okay. Thousands perish by famine. People perish in avalanches in this very valley. Floodwaters destroy people's homes. Terrorists gun down innocent people in the streets and in schools. How can God be good and still allow things like these to inflict good people like us? Jesus' own disciples ask him questions like that. And for instance, one time they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus didn't deal with that question to my satisfaction either. He said, neither. This man was born blind so that the glory of God might be revealed. Consistently, throughout his ministry, Jesus denied any direct correlation between the kind of person you are and what happens to you. God sends the sunshine and the rain on both the good and the bad. 
and yet the idea persists. There's a direct relationship between the sort of person I am and the bad or good things that happen to me in life. When I suffer, there must be some explanation. When I have an experience that is awful for me, I want to know what did I do wrong to deserve this? I thought I was on the right track. I thought I was racking up brownie points with God. And likewise, when things go right, I must find a way to take the credit, mustn't I? I told someone after the early service that it's those good times when everything's just going right that are probably the most dangerous times for our spiritual life because we think we're sort of self-sufficient. We're getting it all right without God's help. Thank you very much, sir. It reminds me of Thornton Wilder's novel, The Bridge of San Luis Rey. In that story, he tells of a village in South America. And each day the villagers make their way across a bridge to the fields. And one day, without warning, the bridge snapped. Six persons fell to their deaths. There was a priest in the village who said, Aha! I will do research into these people's lives and show why these six people were on the bridge at that time when it fell. And I will prove beyond a doubt that if you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. If you do good things, good will be done to you. So he studied every aspect of their lives and he came to a conclusion. Those six people were no worse nor better than anyone else in the village. People sometimes think that preachers don't understand the tragedies and the suffering others go through. <clears throat> they think we're oblivious to the feelings of injustice which well up in others when someone who has done his job well is passed over for a promotion. Or when one who is innocent is killed in a random act of violence. Or when disease strikes one down who always led such a good life. Or when people have put in years of service decide they've earned some kind of rank in the congregation. Well, you're not, we're not immune. We know better than you think. We know what it is like to have good loving Christian parents die from the ravages of cancer. We know what it is like to have a child born only to discover that the child is autistic and mentally retarded. We know what it is like to give everything we've got to helping people build a church in another community only to see those efforts thwarted through the undermining influence of a handful of mean-spirited, antagonistic, disrespectful people. We know what it's like to feel that we deserve better than we're getting in the scheme of things. But we also know that Jesus knows our questions about things like this deter us from the question. The question is not about fairness or deserving. The question Jesus asks us is not about justice. The question is the cruciform one. How do we stand before God? 
When Bad Things Happen to Good People was a bestseller, not only because it was well written, <clears throat> but also because it flatters so well a self-pitying narcissistic age. For us, any suffering is patently unfair and undeserved. Any confusion, any unknowing or tragedy is unjust because so long ago, we stopped trusting a God whose presence, whose very presence, makes suffering, confusion, unknowing, and tragedy bearable. They asked Jesus about life's fairness, but he wouldn't answer that question. He forced them to examine their own relationship with God, to repent, that is, to turn back toward God. And that is the crux of it, isn't it? <clears throat> we don't want God, we want answers. And God's answers had better not be too confusing or frightening or we'll look elsewhere. Somewhere we can find a God who demonstrate, who demands less than repentance. Why did this happen to me? Probably for no good reason. Bad things happen to the good and the bad all the time. The notion that only good things happen to good people was put to rest that day when they hung Jesus on a cross. And now this same Jesus takes our question and makes it cruciform. Can you trust God in your joy and in your pain to be your God? Can you love God without linking your love to the cards life deals you? God's love carries no promises about good or bad, save the promise that God will not allow anything worse to happen to us than happen to his only son. St. Augustine mused over the great suffering that occurred when the barbarians sacked Rome. He noted in his City of God that when the barbarians raped and pillaged, Christians suffered just as much as the non-Christians. Faith in Christ did not make them immune to pain and tragedy. Augustine wrote, Christians differ from pagans, not in the ills which befall them, but in what they do with the ills that befall them. The Christian faith does not give us a way around tragedy. It gives us a way through it. This morning we were reminded of Moses' encounter with God when God's call to Moses to go and, and order Pharaoh to let God's people go. Moses said, who am I to do that? It's got to be a really scary job and I could get hurt or killed. And God says, I will be with you. That's all you need. You need to know that I will be with you, whatever happens. I will be with you. I will always be with you. And then St. Paul in the, in the first letter to the Corinthians this morning reminds us of what happened to God's people when they were let go and they went out into the wilderness, but they just couldn't deal with not having something every day that they depended on more than God. <clears throat> this past week at the conference of the in, in consortium of endowed parishes in Denver, 
We had a theologian from Yale, Miroslav Volz, who has written a wonderful book called Flourishing. And uh, he said, uh, you know, human beings shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then he said, the desire to live by bread alone is the mother of all temptations. And he called us to return once again to the position that God is all that matters and that we must live by, the, by God and every word that comes from his mouth, by the presence of God in our lives. That's the one sure thing that we can count on in this life and in the next. So there is Jesus standing before us with his non-answer to our question. He says, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Parenthetically, because there's more to life than bread. What life is all about is the living God in your midst. And on him, you must depend with all your heart. Our goodness is not supposed to earn points with God that protect us and guarantee an incident-free life. Our goodness is supposed to be a response to God's goodness and God's eternal presence and God's eternal power in our lives and in the life of the universe. So on Sunday, we come to the Lord's table and we're given not answers here, but bread and wine, which are for us nothing less than his broken body and spilled blood. This is the way God responds to our questions, not with answers that flatter us or make us think the world is simpler than it really is, but with his life given for us that we might more fully give our lives to him. It is food for the journey and it will sustain us no matter what. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.